0: I'd invite your attention there this morning, Job chapter 2. I know that this is not a traditional Mother's Day message, (laughs) Um, but as we look at the life of Job, I've I've been through this book now uh, this year, since since January, I'm I'm going through it a third time and uh, just just really taking some time and considering, Uh, to me there's so much uh, depth to the book of Job. As we consider really so much of the book is this it's man trying to understand the ways of God and uh, why God does the things he does and, and why we face the things that we do and and really you could say it the, 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 kind of at the foundation of all of that is this question what is the meaning of life what's it all worth? I mean when uh, you know when when things are going well, we can see purpose in life you know when things are are going the way that we think that they should and 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 life is good and we're happy. You know, we, we just want to keep on going. We just want to keep on living. And then all of a sudden when those things are taken away from us, the things that we hold dearest in life, it really causes us to wonder what is life about anyway? What, what What's it all for if I can't have the things that make me happy, right? And And I believe that the Lord gives us, through this book, so much perspective on, on what the meaning of life is. Last, uh, last time, two weeks ago, we looked at chapter 1, and I mentioned we're not going to go verse by verse through Job, but I want to draw out some principles here that I think are going to help us. Last week we looked at, uh, really, the, that loss that Job faced, as he uh, lost everything that he owned, all of his wealth and all of his servants, uh, which caused him also to lose his reputation. It caused him to lose standing. Uh, he be, went from a man of position and honor to being a man really of shame, as the Eastern mindset would have, would have uh, basically said there, that uh, you know, God is against you, God has cursed you. And, and, uh, and, and so he lost his wealth, he lost his position of honor, he lost, I believe... The greatest loss of all being all ten of his children killed, taken from him in just a moment of time. And uh, he's left to just ponder and wonder what is this all about. We're going to read in chapter 2 that that the loss doesn't end there with Job. So if you're in Job 2 and you're able to stand, I'd invite you to stand as we read the first ten verses of Job chapter 2. It says again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God, and escheweth evil, and still... He holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Verse 9 says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today as we consider kind of a part two to the book of Job and considering the ways of the Lord, would you just help us, I pray, and I I don't know all of the needs in this place, but I do know some. Uh, who are going through trials and difficulty and, and certainly many who are facing the question of why. Why am I facing this? Why am I struggling in this way? And today would you just help us as your people to turn our eyes upon you. And uh, Lord, as we do that, may we find encouragement and strength. Thank you for the example of Job. Would you help us, Lord, to follow in his footsteps in regard to patience and trusting you even in the difficult times. Help me, I pray, as I try to preach this this morning. Give me the words to say, and I pray that you would be with the hearers, that that we would receive what you would have us to receive. And for anyone today who is here without Christ, I pray that you would show them that the meaning of life is not found in things, in the abundance of things which we possess, but it really is found in a relationship with you. May they turn to you and be saved. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. It's hard to imagine facing the things that Job faced. In one day, in one day, Job lost everything he had. It's interesting He didn't have it all invested in one area. It wasn't one stock and it just happened to all fall apart on one day. But you actually find several uh, different areas that he had his wealth and these different servants having to come and tell him that this has been taken away, lost everything he had. He lost his position of honor. He lost, worst of all, his ten children. And now as Job is dealing with all of that and he responds to that trial correctly, we saw that he... Uh, He arose, he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, he fell down, he worshipped. He turned his heart to the Lord, he worshipped the Lord, he honored the Lord, and we'd say, boy, that's a great ending to that story. But it's really just the beginning. Because another day comes. And you would think, well, it can't get any worse for Job, but actually to add insult to injury, now he's going to lose his health to the point where his entire body, as we just read, is covered with boils, and the only relief that he could get was to take a piece of broken pottery, a pot and to scrape those boils. And the Bible says in verse number 8, the end of verse number 8, that he sat down among the ashes. I mean, this is just a description of Job being as low as a human being could possibly get. And, and again, I, I understand as I preach this, I mean, these introductions to these messages aren't exactly uplifting, you know, really encouraging and helpful. Happy Mother's Day to you, right? But here we are, we're, we're seeing a man who has just come to a point of utter despair. Why do we find comfort and help in this? Because the reality is, while we can't relate to Job in the sense of having gone through everything that he's faced, I don't think any human being ever could, the reality is every one of us has faced some things in life that we're left to question and try to understand, God, why? Why am I dealing with this? And, 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 and it doesn't seem fair, and it just doesn't seem right. And I believe that really that's kind of the starting place for the message today... ...is trying to understand the cause of suffering. Where does it come from? Uh, Verse number 3, I want you to notice the Lord here speaking to Satan. It says, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job... ...that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man... ...one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Even after all these things he's, he's holding fast his integrity... But then look at the the words of the Lord at the end of verse number 3. He says, although thou movest me against him to destroy him. Look at those last two words. Without cause. Now last time we talked about the reality that trials and tribulations come upon all people because we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a world that's been affected and influenced by sin and We all have sinned and therefore we we all face the consequences to some degree or another of this fallen world that we live in. And even good people, even righteous people face terrible tragedies and difficulties. But I want you to notice here that the Lord specifically says that the the trial that Job is facing is without cause. Now please understand that doesn't mean that God, God is not saying that he has no purpose in this suffering. He's not saying that there isn't something, that, that he doesn't have a reason. We, we often sing that song, uh, Rejoice in the Lord. The very first words of that song is, God never moves without purpose or plan, right? We, we know that the God that we serve always has a reason. He always has a purpose. But what he's expressing here, what he's saying here, is that there, there wasn't, the, the trial that Job was facing was not a result of Job's actions. It wasn't because of something that Job did. Now, how many times have we faced some tragedy, some trial in life and begun to wonder, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? What have I done to bring this upon myself? And in, at least in Job's case, the answer was nothing. There was nothing that Job had done that, that, that should cause him to say, well, it, it's because of this. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment and acknowledge the fact that there are times in life when trials come to us as a direct result of our choices and our actions uh, the, the Bible is very clear about this that sometimes it, it is not it's not if we can use the term god's fault uh, that we're facing the things we're facing, but we've kind of made our own choices and we've we've chosen our own path in life and sometimes our suffering is a result of our own choices. If we were to go forward just a chapter or two, to, uh, two chapters, Job chapter number four, we find Eliphaz, this is one of Job's friends, as they're trying to reason through and understand uh, why, why is all of this happening to Job? Clearly, God is against you, right? Uh, as, as Eliphaz is trying to understand this, he actually makes an accusation against Job. And this is what he says, look at verse number seven. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. Or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. What's he saying? Job, you might think you're innocent, but we know you're not because innocent people don't go through the things that you're going through. And to a degree, I would say that Eliphaz has some understanding of truth. There are times that our our choices bring about consequences. What does it say in Galatians chapter 6? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Right? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the reality is that sometimes we put ourselves in situations, in positions where where we're facing trials and consequences. As a result of our choices and our actions, I was counseling someone recently who is is going through unimaginable uh, difficulty and, and 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 issues and struggle, and and in in trying to encourage him, I was trying to really encourage him to trust he can put his confidence in the Word of God, and one of the things that I used to show him that was Galatians six. the 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 reality is the the consequences that you're facing. a direct result we can go back and I can point you to the very moments that led you to the place where you are today and what's happening to you is a result of what God said was going to happen you reap what you sow and you've sown to the flesh and of the flesh you're reaping corruption this is this ought to be confirmation to you that God can be trusted because that's what God said was going to happen now again that may not sound very encouraging to you but the, the but it, here is the encouraging thing. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. But it says if we sow to the spirit, we shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. There, there is a principle in sowing and reaping that may on one hand be discouraging. On another hand, it can be very encouraging. Here's the, the reality of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If you put uh, corn in the ground. You don't expect wheat to grow, right? Uh, you 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 plan to reap. You plan to harvest. That's wh- that what you plant. You reap what you sow. But you also reap later than you sow, right? You don't put the the corn in the ground on Monday and Tuesday expect to harvest. No, there's a there's a growing season. Sometimes we think we're getting away with something because the consequences don't come right away. But understand this, God's not mocked. What we sow will be reaped eventually. And we reap more than we sow. You you put a seed in the ground and you expect a harvest of more than just one seed or one grain. You reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, you reap more than you sow. And so if you sow bad seed and you walk in disobedience to the Lord, you can be sure there is going to come a day... When this is going to come back on you, and it's probably going to be more than you felt like you deserved. So you say, well, what do we do? Well, if we've sown corrupt seed, if we've done that which is not pleasing to the Lord, all we can do really is ask for God's mercy. But I want to say this, maybe you're here today and you are reaping something that you sowed in the past, and you say, but I've I've repented of that, and... And, and, and I'm just wanting to move forward, let me just encourage you, start sowing good seed. Just, just today, do what God wants you to do. Sow to the Spirit. Give yourself to the Lord. Obey the Lord. And you know what's going to happen? God's not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. And even though there may be consequences for ba- past actions, we can't go back and undo those things. But what we can do ...is live today in the way that God would have us to live... ...and someday we're going to reap a good harvest from that. So we sow... But but here's the thing... ...in Job's case it wasn't what he sowed. Now in your case or in my case... ...that, that is a consideration. Lord, why is this happening? Maybe there's a direct circumstance you can point to in your life... ...and say, well, that was my choice. This is something... I, I, I did jail ministry for a time... Uh, ...before I was pastoring... ...I was involved in jail ministry... And this was one of the things that we would talk about frequently. You know, the, everybody in jail or in prison is innocent, right? <laughs> at least in their own mind. But but the reality is most of them aren't. And most of the time, with a few rare exceptions, you can look at it and say, listen, it was your choices that put you here. Don't blame God. Don't get mad at God for that, right? But in Job's case, it wasn't his actions, it wasn't his choices God said this is without cause. This wasn't because of some specific thing. Now, again, I want to say in our lives we need to consider sowing and reaping. We also need to consider that there are times of chastening. And the Lord says that very clearly in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, that, that because we are God's children, if you're saved and you're a child of God, that he chastens those he loves. And sometimes trials come in our lives because... We have gotten out of the will of God and, and He lovingly is correcting us to try and bring us to a place of repentance. Most of you know my, my testimony and, and, and the fact that there was a time in my life that I was just away from the Lord and, and I wasn't doing the things that He wanted me to do and yet I got so far from God at one point I began to wonder if I was even saved, if I was even a child of God. And I was able to look back at my life And that period of time that I was away from the Lord, and you know what I saw? Time after time after time was the chastening hand of the Lord. (laughs) When things just weren't going well for me, God wasn't letting me get away with things. You know what that reminded me of? I'm his child. He's working in my life to bring about what the Bible calls the peaceable fruit of righteousness. This is actually the goodness of God leading me to repentance. And maybe there's something in your life that you're you're looking at and you're saying, God, I don't understand why I'm facing this. Consider, am I reaping what I've sown? Or is God maybe trying to get my attention and try and turn my heart back toward Him? These are very real considerations. Whatever it is that you're facing, consider that. What's God doing? But the reality is that there will come times that, like Job, your trial... Your temptation, your suffering does not have a direct cause. There's nothing that you can point to. There's nothing that God would point to in your life and say, this is the reason. Do you know that God never said, Job, this is the reason that you're going through this or that you went through this? There was no answer. Now that may seem terribly uh, tragic to us. But the reality is that we serve a God who, as we heard just a moment ago, his ways are higher than our ways. There are things that God understands that you and I do not understand. We just don't know. Isaiah 55 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. There are things that God knows and understands and the reason that we just don't understand. How many of you parents have ever had a time where you had to put your child through something that actually caused them some pain, but you did it for their own good? You were trying to help them, but in helping them you caused pain. You were trying to work about a good process in their life and something that would, would benefit them down the road, but you understand that in the moment they could not understand it. I, I think of the, uh, the the maybe the baby who has to Get some kind of a a a shot in their arm or in their leg, and it's painful to them. And if you were to try and explain to a little six month old or one year old baby, listen, this is why we had to put the needle in your leg, and and put the. They they don't understand; they can't grasp it. But you, as the parent, know. Well, this is something we're doing for their good. Maybe there's a there's been situations like that in your life that that you've just said, Lord, I don't understand. But what do you have to do? You have to trust that there's, there's a God that knows and understands things that you don't know. God knows things. He knows everything. And I've thought about this before. Maybe now, today, three 4,000 years after Job's trial, maybe today he understands. After all, he's in the presence of the Lord and, you know... Maybe God has revealed that to him. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something. I, I've, I've wondered, you know, okay, we, we even sing this song, you know, we'll understand it better by and by. So, someday we'll understand uh, why we go through these things. I, I've wondered, maybe, maybe God, when we get to heaven, says, Here, here's why you faced all that. But I think the reality is, more than likely, Job may or may not understand, but Job probably today doesn't really care whether or not he understands. Romans chapter 8. I want to read this. We we often think, you know, when when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. I I, I kind of don't think we will. So what does it say in Romans 8? Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What does that mean? It means that the, the sufferings, the very worst things we can face in this life, they, they don't even compare to how great, how, how wonderful glory <laughs> is going to be when we're in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says, what is your life? James chapter 4, it's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then, vanisheth away it's 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 almost like this life even though it seems so long and prolonged when we get to heaven it's going to be just an instant just a just a blink and then all of eternity we get to spend with the lord and while it may seem so long to us it's just a vapor that passes away and even the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared i think we're going to get to heaven and going to say you know what really wasn't that bad. (laughs) Not in comparison to how wonderful this is. Look what it says, verse number 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. What's he saying? Well, right now we're, we're groaning and travailing, like a woman in travail over uh, that's about to deliver a child. We're, we're awaiting our redemption, and we're in pain. The Bible says that, that a, a woman, when she's travailing, when she's in pain, she, she's, she cries out for, for that pain. But once that child is born, she forgets. I, I've watched my wife deliver seven children. And every time I think, okay, she, she can't do this again. I've been proven wrong six times, okay? Somehow, she gets baby fever. You know, like, don't you remember? I remember. I was there. (laughs) You didn't like it at the time. Isaac was born, and within about five minutes, I said, well, you ready for another one? She didn't think it was very funny. But it wasn't too long after. She was ready for another one. Why? She forgot. Because of the joy of having this little child was so wonderful that the pain of childbirth was forgotten. You know, there's coming a day when all this pain, all this suffering, all this trial, is, it's going to be a thing of the past and we're in glory with the Lord. We're in his presence. No more pain, no more sickness, no more, no more sorrow, no more goodbyes. And we're going to say, that wasn't even worthy to be compared. It <laughs> doesn't even matter anymore. God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes one day. Sometimes we don't understand, but we can trust that God knows. Then as we go back to Job chapter 2, I want to show you another lesson. There was a conviction in Job's life. There was conviction. What was this conviction? This is one that many struggle with, and certainly to the unbeliever, and even to the immature Christian, this seems so foreign. But I want you to notice At the end of, we're in Job, let's look at the end of Job chapter 1, verse number 21. Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse number 10 of chapter 2, Job says, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? Here was the conviction that Job had. God is God, and therefore God has the right to do whatever He wants to do. This is a very difficult thing for us to accept, because we so often feel like because there was no known cause that therefore God is unjust. But friend, let me tell you something. God is God. And God has the right to do with us what he wants to do. I hear people say, well, you know, I'm just angry with God. That's not God's problem. That's your problem. I've heard people even say, well, you know, you have a right to be angry with God. God's a big boy. He can handle it. Friend, what did Job say to his wife? You're speaking as one of the foolish women speaking. You don't God God is God. He is Lord of all. God doesn't exist for us. We exist for Him. As hard as that might be for us to grasp and understand. I'm not saying that God doesn't care because he does. Like God loves us and and God does care and he intervenes and he works in our lives, but let us never get this out of order. We don't he doesn't exist to bring about what we desire in life. We exist to bring him honor and glory. We were created for that very purpose in Revelation chapter 4 it tells us that all things were created for his pleasure. And we're also told that now that we are His children, we've been saved. We're bought with a price. Our life is not our own. We don't belong to us. Our body and our spirit are now God's. And God can do with you and with I with me whatever He wants to do. We need to be careful not to charge God with being unfair or unjust. After all, it is His life to do with what He pleases. Job was willing, even in his grief. Listen, this didn't minimize his suffering, but he did acknowledge. Listen, I came into this world with nothing. I'll leave this world with nothing. And God, as he has taken away in the same way the Lord has taken away from me, he gave me all these things. And if God has a right to bless me, he has a right to take those blessings. He said, shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord, and shall we not receive evil? I mean, is God only good when he gives us the things that we want? Romans chapter 9 says, Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Can, can the, doesn't the potter have power over the clay to make what he wants? Hey, listen, my life isn't mine. It's God's. He can do with me what he wants to do. This was Job's conviction. I don't want the things that I'm facing, but God can do with me what he wants. He's God. He's God. But then I want to show you, in addition to this conviction, he had this confidence. And here's what I I really want to try and encourage you with today. There was a confidence in Job's life. I want you to see that Job's wife recommended to him that he take his own life. Look at verse number 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Job, just end it. Put an end to this thing. Just curse God. You know you want to. And then he'll kill you. And you can put an end to your suffering. Now notice that Job's response was not, Oh darling, I have so much to live for. That's not what he said. In fact, look at chapter 3, verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said there's a man-child conceived. Look at verse 11. He says, Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? In other words, I wish that I wasn't alive. I wish that I would have never been born. Chapter 6 And verse number 8, look what he says, Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Job desired to die. Job was suicidal in his thinking. I wish that my life was over. And I want to say to you, I know that different people struggle with different things. It is not, if you have ever thought this before, I just wish that I wasn't alive. You're not alone. A lot of people have thought that. That's not an uncommon thing. But Job's decision to keep on going for the Lord was not about what he perceived as his hope. You know, I've got everything I want. I've got so much to live for. That was not his thinking. Here was his thought. If God brought me into this world, God can take me out of this world. And he said to his wife, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. You're not thinking clearly. Now sometimes tragedy and trial comes in your life, and you won't be thinking clearly, but I want you to know this. To put your life in your own hands is never the right answer is never the right answer God who knows all things hath in his hand the power of life and death and that's where it needs to be and Job was willing to say listen I even in the midst of all this I know that it's not the right thing for me to put an end to my life because God still has a purpose for me I want to go forward to chapter 13 if you would as we kind of conclude the message today. Job chapter 13. And consider this. Verse number 14. Job said, Wherefore do I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. For an hypocrite shall not come before him. What's he saying? If I blessed God... And trusted God when things were good, I need to do so when things are bad. And I'm not going to put my life in my own hands. I'm going to trust Him. Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. And then chapter 23, Job 23, verse number 10. This is so important, please don't miss this. Job 23, verse number 10. Here's what Job says. In the midst of his wrestling to understand, striving to understand, he says in verse number 10... But he, that's the Lord, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job, even in his grief, had the faith to believe that there was a coming a day when he would be able to speak of this in the past tense. I want to say that again. Job had the faith to believe That there would come a day that he would be able to speak of this trial in the past tense. Look what he says. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He was willing to look ahead to the future and recognize that someday... I'm going to look back at this as simply a memory. It will have been a trial that I went through. Now here's the problem sometimes... In life, we face things that we feel like there is no end to this suffering. There's no better day coming. To the child of God, that is never true. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us that we are not to sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because we have hope. There is a better day coming. One last place I want to show you in the scriptures, James chapter number 5, don't lose hope because there's a better day coming. James chapter number 5 all these years later makes a reference to the life of Job. James 5 verse number 10 says take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience look at verse 11 behold we count them happy which endure ye have heard of the patience of job and have seen the end of the lord that the lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy look at that statement you've seen the end of the lord job had not seen the end I can imagine that in his moments of grief that he must have felt like there could never, there could never be a day that could come where I won't feel this same weight of grief. It, a better day could never possibly come. He, didn't, he hadn't seen the end of the Lord, but he trusted. He trusted. When he hath tried me, there's a day coming where I'll be able to look back on this and this will be a thing of the past. We can look back at Job's life and we've seen the end. Now, whatever it is that you're facing today, maybe you haven't seen the end. Maybe you're just in the beginning of it. And it may feel so overwhelming. Can I please just encourage you in love, no matter how desperate you get, always trust there are better days ahead. not hopeless if you know the Lord it's not hopeless you can trust him you can say like Job though he slay me yet will I trust in him God's ways are higher than mine and God's promise to work all things together for my good well I don't understand I'm going to trust him he's God he can do what he wants to do and he's promised to do me good and not evil trust him. Rely on him. Whatever it is you're facing today, turn to him and know that he is very pitiful. He is very gracious and he's of tender mercy.